Good to have Dean and Patty with us. They are missionaries out of our church. They're missionaries to the hospitals of southeast the United States. So if you've got a doctor or a nurse or a hospital worker needs to hear the gospel, just get with Dean and Patty, and we'll, we'll line them up, see if we can get them there. But uh, make one more announcement while Dean's coming. Good News Clubs are starting up again uh, this uh, week. Appreciate your donations of cookies and drink boxes. We go through about 200 pouches of these drinks every week, and so we need volunteers. We're also going to get together and put together some uh, snack bags. So if you can bring them, put them on the shelves near the refrigerators in the kitchens. You say, well, I don't, you know, what, why would we give these boys and girls snacks? Because they've been in school for six hours, and now we want them to sit for an hour and listen to the gospel, and you'd be amazed at what the little uh, offering of a, of a snack and a drink can do when you hold it in front of you say if you sit still you can have this works good for adults too but you guys make such a mess in the auditorium we can't we can't try it so amen brother dean's good to have you all right we'll just give you a short update and god's been so good um all the time he's good but you know when you're hurting or going through something that's when you that's when you notice it you know we just like our families, we take each other for granted. And uh, I had to stop the car today and tell Patty to get out on the way here. And uh, she, there was a little box she was looking for, actually, and we had to stop to get. But, anyways, um, we uh, we take our families for granted. We take our friends and our churches and our preacher for granted, you know. And when the Lord puts you through things. It just uh, helps you to appreciate, you know, so much. And. Uh, I am so thrilled to have my voice back, and um, the probably in all of it, the most amazed person is the doctor that did the surgeries on my throat, and he's an agnostic. Um, the other day, Patty asked him if he had a Bible. He said no. She said, if, if we got you one, would you read it? And he said, no. I, I believe in a lot of different ways and a lot of good things. And this is, this is like the favorite doctor at the hospital, all the surgery people, all the anesthesiologists, everybody loves this doctor. 44 years old, got a five-year-old and a three-year-old, gave me back the quality of my life that I'm used to, to be able to sing and preach, and he doesn't even have a clue what it's all about, you know. He's one of the nicest people you'd ever want to meet. and uh, But they know we're Christians. Now, he's read our tracks. He took the uh, chick track, the humbug. You know the humbug one? That's a good one to give out around the Christmas time. We acted that out a couple years in the couple years ago in the jungle. Patty wrote it out. And we just gave those out all over and told people that we acted this out at Christmas time. Oh, and they, they take it. You know, it's just, it's just trying to help. You know, we're just trying to And uh, so he read that and liked it. But he won't read the Bible, but he doesn't know how many verses he read in there, you know. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, but the Lord's good. The Lord's good. And he knows he put us there at the right time. We did get to witness to lots of people. And um, for those of you that might not know, uh, my colon ruptured in the jungle November 10th, uh, 14 months ago, almost 14 months ago. This January 10th will be 14 months. I've had 12 surgeries. Um, six of them have been major surgeries. Um, four of those were on my abdomen. And um, we went back to get the trach out. I still got the little spot. Where's Deb? I can't. She she still got it too. Um, 
I put a note on Facebook that she's still the trach queen. Um, she had nine surgeries on her throat, and she can talk. That's a miracle, you know. And I told her before, a long time ago, I was trying to beat a record. Steve McGee, he said, you don't have to beat her record. Leave her alone. And uh, so she has a record, and uh, we're just blessed to be able to talk, you know. So I went back on uh, Friday the 13th of all days. They took the trach out. I was scared to death when he pulled it out. And uh, he said, don't talk. Don't do nothing. Just wait. <laughs> you know. And uh, he put a bandage over top, and my voice was perfect. We took the pictures, and uh, we have a picture standing in front of the camera, uh, in front of the uh, screenshot. And he said, your airway is 99% open. Amen. He said, I'd say 100%, but let me say 99%. And... Um, he, uh, my oxygen level is perfect, and my vocal cords are untouched, no scarring on my vocal cords. and So uh, I, my voice feels about as normal as it's been. I thought I was going to blow a gasket again on those, some of those high notes. I, I got to get my lung, I got to get my wind back, you know, my breath. But uh, I'm just thrilled at what, what the Lord's done. That same day we got the trach out, we went into the trauma surgery team and... Uh, Got to see the doctors again that saved my life. I was airlifted out of the jungle, and and um, they all know the story, and they've all read the charts. And you're not supposed to live that long when your colon ruptures. You don't have that much time. And it happened at 6 in the morning. I got surgery at 8 o'clock that night after flying out of the jungle. And then a week later, it came loose. And, you know, some of you remember. And... Um, Dr. Croft is the one who signed off from Shan's Hospital. We didn't have insurance. And he said, we'll take them. We'll take care of them. And they have never yet hounded me for the bill. Uh, we, we send some each month on the doctor's side and some on the hospital side. And it'll take me through the millennium to pay it off. Um, we were shooting for a million. We were just a little short of a million dollars. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing, you know. And um, they, they looked at this last surgery and checked it all out. It, all of it healed with no infections at all, um, no complications. And um, the doctor stood back and he said this. He said, why don't you go back to your mission field? So he said, we don't want to see you again. I said, well, how about like church or Burger King or something? And he said, that might work, but I don't want to see you in here again. And... Um, so that was just on Friday the 13th. So the Lord's so, so very good. Uh, we went back for the last follow-up Thursday, this last Thursday, with Dr. Chetta with my throat. And um, saw the cardiologist on Friday, just this last Friday. Got a few issues to deal with on my heart. And um, trying some medication for, for now to take care of that. And i got to go back in two weeks for the maybe a treadmill test. Pray my legs will hold up for that. That'll be the issue on that one. And uh, still getting some chest pains, but we it's been diagnosed as microvascular angina. Um, he looked at all the big the blood vessels in my heart. They're, he said, they're, there's, I would like to have blood vessels like that, and he's a lot younger than me. Um, my blood pressure this morning was like 128 over 78. Who has blood pressure that good? You know, that's good blood pressure. And so um, I, I couldn't be happier, and... We, um, we have plans as soon as we get clearance on this um, uh, January 21st, we'll see the cardiologist. Our desire is to fly down to Guyana for maybe 
Well, Patty will stay longer than me, but we'll we'll book the flights and we'll go down. We're going to try to rent a home in the capital city so we can get that secured and set up. And um, then we'll fly in the jungle and see Brother Buck and give him as much trouble as we can and encourage the people there. And we're not going back to the jungle. Brother Buck's doing a great job. And um, he's, he loves the people there. He feels like their pastor. And I don't want to go interrupt that. Amen. So um, we'll go in and pack up some of the rest of our stuff and prepare it to ship out to the capital city. And uh, she'll stay on a couple extra weeks. And I'm going to come back and try to raise a little extra support just for a few months. Hopefully, we're going to fly back to the field in April. That's, that's our goal. That could change. I'll put a little more about that in my next prayer letter. So to not make it any longer than that, that's, uh, that's the short of it. So we love you all. Thank you for praying. Amen. It's a blessing. Amen. Isn't that great? God's so good. Took Deb so long to get better because every time she'd be a little grumpy, Bob would put gum in her tray. And put, put, put some, <laughs> I'd, I'd go back here. <laughs> I, I was I was playing golf one time with this guy, he, and he he had a trait because he had smoked all his lungs away. I saw him one day. I saw him smoking through that thing in his throat. But anyway, he. He, he got out of his golf cart and he went over and he, he hit his ball and he hit a bad shot. And he walked over to the cart and got his microphone and cussed and put his, put the microphone up. I thought, why, why, why couldn't you just say it to yourself, you know? Everybody had to hear it. So I asked him, I said, how, how come when you hit that ball good, you think you did it? When you hit it bad, it's God's fault. Why don't you praise God when it, when you do it right and curse yourself when you do it wrong? I never thought of that. <laughs> so, amen. We're glad Dean's up and running. And I, I will say this, and and she she wouldn't say it because that's just how she is. But all that Dean mentioned that he's been through all that time, his wife is sleeping in a cot in a hospital room, sleeping in a chair in a hospital room and watching man that she loves go through all that and not one word of complaint, not one moment of, of doubt in her heart and uh, not that she ever expressed. And uh, she, you talk about a, a soldier of the cross. That's Patty. Right? And, uh, I think the Lord just keeps healing Dean because he can't deny her faith. It's a, it's a blessing, it really is. So, All right, let's turn to Exodus chapter 3 this morning. Or Dosa X, as Dan would say it. Uh, <laughs> he, he, just kept, he kept up with that 211 and he couldn't figure out why. Why aren't you guys turning? That's great. Exodus chapter 3, it's all that party and he did New Year's. Exodus chapter number 3 and the book of John. Chapter 5, Exodus 3, John. In fact, let's get John 6. We're going to go ahead and start back in on these names of Jesus, and I'll let you know why this evening. But Exodus 3 and verse number 6. The Bible says, third chapter of Exodus, everybody there? All right, Father, bless your word to our hearts this morning. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says in Exodus 3 and verse number 11, 
And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this should be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and they shall say unto, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? Now you sure hear a lot reported in our world today about what God's name is and who God is. Well, here's a man ask God face to face, What is your name? What should I tell the people when they ask what's your name? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Now, God is. He is. There, there's nobody else can say that. It sounds so incredibly simplistic until you try to wrap your mind about it. Every single person here was something they're not anymore. You were a baby. You were a toddler. You were a school student. You were employed in such and such company. You, you were this. You were. Every one of us can, can point to multiple areas in our life, physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and say, I'm not what I was. If we, as saved people this morning, we can look in the Bible and we can believing the Word of God, trusting the promises of God, we can say, I will be. One day I will be absent from the body and present with the Lord. One day I will be changed into His likeness. One day I will be in the glorious presence of my... Listen, we have a past and we have a future. And our present is so uncertain and so changeable, we're not even sure where we are when we're there. We're not even sure what we are and who we are at any given moment. But God, God has no past. God has no future. God has no change about Him. He doesn't become smarter. He doesn't get slower. He doesn't get stronger. He doesn't fade away. He's not right one day and wrong the next. He's not up one day and down the next. He doesn't wake up in a good mood or wake up in a cheerful mood. He said, I am that I am. He is exactly who and what He was when He created the heavens and the earth. He is exactly who and what He was when He dealt with Adam in the garden. He is exactly who and what He was when He dealt with Mary and Joseph about the birth of that baby Jesus. He's exactly who and what He was 500 years ago. He's exactly who and what He was the day you first heard of Him. And a million billion years from now, He'll be exactly who and what He is today. I am that I am. What an amazing thing. He said in one place, I am the Lord thy God, I change not. The Bible can say of the Lord Jesus Christ, He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What a, what a, a simplistic and yet remarkably profound declaration of one's person. I am that I am. There is nobody else you've ever dealt with in your life who isn't multiple 
personalities, who, who doesn't adapt to the situation and the circumstances, who doesn't change on, on a continual basis depending upon pressures and, and, and emotional uh, stimuli and, and, and all these. You know that. But God, God. He's exactly the same as he was when you were a little boy and a little girl in Sunday school. He's exactly the same as he was when he attended your wedding. He's exactly the same as he was when he stood by you in that hospital room. He's exactly who he'll be in your old age as death comes knocking at your door. He's exactly the same as who he'll be when you stand before him at the judgment seat of Christ. He does not change. That's why you can count on him. That's why you can trust him. That's why you can depend upon Him with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind. You will never, ever say of God what you have been called upon to say about everybody else you know. Well, I never thought He'd do that. Well, I never expected that. Well, I never saw that coming. The Lord is not a God of surprises. He tells you in His Word, this is who I am. I'm for this, I'm against that. I approve of this, I disapprove of that. I work in this way, I don't work in that way. And you can stake your soul to it. He does not change. I am that I am. Now, just before we get to John, let's stop at Isaiah 48 on the way to the book of John. Isaiah 48. And let's read there starting at verse number 12. Isaiah 48 and verse number 12. The Bible says, Hearken unto me, O Jacob and Israel, my called. I am he. I am the first. I also am the last. Mine hand also hath laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand hath spanned the heavens. And when I call unto them, they stand up together. The Lord, He calls heaven and earth to attention. He sets them in order and they obey Him. But look what He said. I'm the first. See, I, I, here I am, way over here. And then, let's run through a century. There I am. Let's run through a millennium. There I am. Let's run through a, an age. There I am. Hey, you can't say that about anybody else. Let's take somebody you, you greatly adore and admire. Just, I'll just throw some names out. Nobody might have given these people second thought. But if you're an American, used to great, Americans once greatly admired George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, FDR, Ronald Reagan. I'm not trying to, to, to mine uh, your face for your political views. I'm just saying these are men who have had a great influence upon the entire world. Where are they? Where are they? They have no influence now. They're not doing anything now. They're done. They ran their course. It's over. It's done. Look at the spiritual realm. Apostle Paul, great man. John the Baptist, great man. They're done. There's only one who was there at the beginning. There's only one who's been there all the way through. There's only one that'll be there at the end and still be what he was when the whole thing started, and that's God. That's why, that's why we don't get excited as popes come and go. We don't adore and worship pastors or priests or rabbis or ministers. We don't follow uh, supernatural wonder-working men because we know what's going to happen to them. 
They're going to waste away. They might finish their course well. They might finish their course poorly. But they're just little shooting stars through the darkness. And and in a moment, they flash across the sky and then they're gone. But God continues to be the I Am. He will always be the I Am. He is what He was when your great, 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 great grandfather heard the gospel and trusted Him. And if the rapture doesn't take place, He is what He will be when your great, 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 great grandson trusts Him as Savior. God doesn't change. In our sports world, they every time somebody does something big, they say, Well, you know, that's the greatest ball that's ever been thrown since what's-his-name threw a ball. And all the old-timers say, Well, nobody ever threw a ball like what's-his-name. And all the kids say, Who's what's-his-name? Never heard of him. Right? Somebody comes out to sing. They say, Well, that's, a, that's, a, that's the biggest top ten song we've had since Elvis had a top ten song. It won't be long. Nobody remember Elvis, but people selling rugs at gas stations. That's... That's about all, all be left to him. Listen, I'm telling you, no matter how big you prop somebody up, he's coming down, except God. No matter how great somebody's accomplishments, they're gonna, they're gonna vanish from the scene, except God. How about the bad men? How about, how about your Adolf Hitlers? How about your Joseph Stalins? How about, well, nobody's worried about them today. Nobody's sitting around today saying, oh no, oh no, what's, what's, what's Hitler gonna do? He's not gonna do anything. He's done. The great man of evil, the great man of goodness, the great man who, who do something for society, and the great men who do something against society, every one of them fleeting shadows across the stage of life. But God, I am that I am. What will you be tomorrow? I am that I am. What will you be 3,000 years after Moses speaks to you at the burning bush? I am that I am. What will you be 2,000 years after Jesus walks out of the tomb? I am that I am. What a name. What a name. Now, in John, I said 6, but let's start at 8. John chapter number 8. There's a great controversy among the leadership in the nation of Israel... Because their scriptures say that only God can give sight to the blind. And this man named Jesus has been giving sight to the blind. Their scriptures say that only God has power over death. And this man named Jesus keeps raising people from the dead. Their scriptures say that only God can calm the raging of the sea and the waves... And this man named Jesus keeps standing on the deck of ships in the middle of storms and saying, peace be still, and the winds die down and the waves are calm. They again and again and again, they are confronted with two truths. The truths of what their scriptures say only God can do, and the truth that this man Jesus keeps doing those things. And rather than believe on him, because after all, the idea that God should be manifest in a body of flesh is is pretty mind-boggling. They want to fight with him and contend with him and suppose that, well, you're doing this by the power of the devil. That's what they said over and over again. 
You do this by Beelzebub. You cast out devils with the, with, by the prince of devils. And, and you've got an unclean spirit. And, and, and what's amazing is none of the 39 books in their scriptures ever said that the devil could raise the dead. None of them ever said the devil could cleanse lepers. None of them ever said the devil could make the lame to walk and the, and the deaf to hear. And yet, when this man Jesus is doing what only God can do, according to their scriptures, they want to throw out their scriptures and condemn him as being a devil. When asked to justify their desire to stone him or put him to death, they pull their scriptures back out and say, well, the Bible says... You can't have it both ways. You can't ignore the Bible when it doesn't suit you and then pull it out and quote it when it does suit you. But, but that's, that's what they were doing. So this conflict comes to a head in John chapter number 8. John chapter 8. Jesus says in verse number 12, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees, therefore, that's the religious leaders, said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself, thy record is not true. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Well, how did he prove that? Well, giving sight to the blind would be a good way to prove it. Which he did over and over again. And they said, no, you're, you're a liar. You're not the light of the world. Jesus said, I am. They said, no, you're not. Okay? Look down in, in John 8, verse number 23. Or 20, let's start 21. Then said Jesus again to them, I go my way and ye shall seek me and shall die in your sins. Whither I go ye cannot come. Then said the Jews, will he kill himself? Because he saith, whither I go ye cannot come. Well, seriously? They all know they're going to die someday. If he dies, they're going where he went. That can't possibly... He said, so verse 23, he said to them, You're from beneath, I am from above. You're of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if you believe not that I am, he, ye shall die in your sins. Now look at that. He didn't say, if you believe that I, if you believe not that I am the good shepherd, if you believe not that I am the savior, if you believe not that I am the, he said, if you believe not that I am he, you'll die in your sins. Now you know what the problem was? God met Moses and God, by the hand of Moses, led the people out of Egypt. And Jesus shows up and he said, yeah, I'm greater than Moses. I'm the one that sent Moses. I'm the one that empowered Moses. I am he. And, and that, just, that just blew their minds. How dare you say that? Well, I'll show you. See this man that can't walk? Thy sins be forgiven thee. Now, why didn't Jesus say, be healed? Why did he say, thy sins be forgiven thee? Because he is showing himself to be God. Only, and that's, that was their answer. No man can forgive sins but God only. And Jesus said, I know, watch this. Thy sins be forgiven thee. And the man took up his bed and walked. 
And the scripture says they were filled with madness. Why? Because what they saw confirmed he was God. What they heard confirmed he was God, but they couldn't comprehend that God could walk on the earth in a body of flesh. Sight contradicted faith. They didn't have faith to believe that. What they saw indicated it was so. What they believed rejected it. And so the solution is, well, let's just kill him and get rid of him. Then we won't have to worry about it. (laughs) Isn't that something? What a response to a man who's interrupting your funerals and raising the dead people. Well, what do we do? Well, I don't know it. Only God can do that. I know, but he did it. Well, what should we do? Well, let's kill him. Then we won't have to worry about it. I mean, if you just sit back and think about it, that's really bizarre. Couldn't they have said, after he heals everybody, then let's kill him. But when somebody brought that up, they said, no, he's getting a bigger and bigger following all the time and we'll soon be be irrelevant. They won't need us if they got him. Yeah, that's the idea. Jesus, not you bunch of frauds. So the Bible goes on. And and verse number 33. They answered him. No, no, no. 31. Then said Jesus, those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou ye shall be made free? Time out. Okay, let's, let's see if I got this right. And if, if you witness the lost people, you've seen this a hundred times. They can't think rationally when asked to defend their unbelief. If you follow me, Jesus said, if you follow me, you'll be my disciples. If you're my disciples, you'll know the truth. If you know the truth, the truth will make you free. Politicians jump in on the tail end of that. You should know the truth, the truth shall make you free. You left out the following Jesus part. You're not following Jesus, you not. But anyway, so, they, so Jesus said, you should know the truth, the truth shall make you free. They said, we're Abraham's seed. We've never been in bondage to any man. Are you serious? How about 430 years as slaves in Egypt? How about repeated captivity under the hands of the Midianites? How about over and over again the Philistines possessing your land? How about the Babylonian captivity? Anybody ever heard of Daniel and the lion's den and the three Hebrew children in the furnace? Every one of those guys knew... Ten tribes have been carried off into Chaldea. Two tribes have been carried down into Babylon. Only two ever came back. And the moment they say this, they're under the dominion of the Roman Empire. You know why they haven't killed Jesus yet? They're not allowed to because the Romans won't let them. They're living in bondage and saying, we've never been in bondage to any man. Now, you know what happens you start witnessing people on your job? They just say the first thing that pops into their head, whether it makes any sense or not. They don't think about it. They can't prove it. They can't back it up. 
Don't be intimidated by the anger and ravings of people who can't think straight. Jesus says in verse number 34, Verily, verily I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. <laughs> Never mind Romans. You're in bondage to yourself. We're down there Friday afternoon and somebody's down there opposing us saying that we just want to put all these rules and restrictions on people and bind them up and, and, and rob them of their freedom of their liberty. And that poor soul can't go 30 minutes without bowing down to a nicotine addiction. You have so little power in your life that you can't say no to a weed in a cardboard box in your pocket. You're telling me I'm in bondage? Seriously? The thought pops into your head. You you need a smoke. Where where is it? You got a light. Anybody got a light? I got to have a light. You got a light? Oh. Thank you. I mean, at least a God of wood and of stone would, would hold up under a fire for a little while. You bow down to something going to be burned to ashes in about three minutes. No offense to any smokers among you. What I'm pointing out is... <laughs> oh, that, yeah, that reminds me. <laughs> When's this service going to get over? People think they're free. Nobody's free until they find freedom and liberty in Jesus Christ. That's what he told us. And never mind the Romans. You can't even control yourself. All right. So what happens here? The Bible says, skip down in John 8. Skip down to about verse 49. No, 48. 48. Here we go. 48. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil? <laughs> well, you're wrong on both counts. Jesus answered, I have not a devil. But I honor my Father, and ye do dishonor me. And I seek not mine own glory, there is one that seeketh and judgeth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Then said the Jews unto him, Now we know that thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead, and the prophets, and thou sayest, If a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead, and the prophets, which are dead? Who makest thou thyself? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me, of whom ye say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I should be a liar like unto you. But I know him and keep his say. Well, I don't think Jesus would ever say anything offensive. <laughs> not if you're on his side. If you're not on his side, he said plenty to offend you. He said, I'm not going to lie just because you guys are a bunch of liars. Now watch, verse 56, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. 
Now, Abraham's been off the scene for close to 3,000 years when Jesus says to those people, Abraham saw what you're seeing. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet 50 years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Drum roll, please. Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, I hate to bring up English grammar on a Sunday morning. Before Abraham was, I was, would be the correct grammatical statement. But it would not be the correct doctrinal statement. Because, see, Jesus wasn't, he is. Jesus won't be, he is. So when they said, you're not 50 years old, uh, well, this body of flesh, correct. But you're talking about me? Before Abraham was, I am. And when Jesus spoke those words, he declared himself to be the creator of the heavens and the earth, who identified himself in Exodus chapter number 3 as Jehovah God Almighty, King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus said, I am. Verse 59, Then took they up stones to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Okay, now, you want some proof? Here's a mob surrounding a man arguing with him. Every eye is on Jesus. Correct? When he says, I am, they are so filled with rage and so full of fury that they're going to, they're going to stone him to death. And he didn't hide under the barrel. And he didn't hide behind the curtains. And he didn't hide behind the palm tree. He walked right through the middle of a crowd that is staring intently at him, desiring to kill him. And nobody can see him. Because even manifest in the flesh, God can do what he wants. You can see him, you cannot see him. I am. Before Abraham was, I am. Well, how about those prophets? I am. Are you older than them? I am. Are you before them? I am. Are you here right now? I am. Where have you been a thousand years? I am. Jesus Christ is the unchanging, everlasting, eternal, almighty God manifest in a body of human flesh. He never once denied it. He attested to it again and again and again. Now, let's quickly just just flip through some some verses here in John. Look at John 6.35. John chapter 6. Verse 34, Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. Jesus said to them, I am 
the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. John 6, verse 41. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. Now look, they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it that he saith, I came down from heaven? Now look, when he said, I am, they knew that his claim was, I am more than mortal. I am more than human. I am. And that's what, well, 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 we know his father. No, you didn't. Joseph's not his father. He's born of a virgin. All right, look at John 8, 12. We read that one. Come to John 9. John chapter 9. Verse number 5. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. John 10, verse 7. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. John 10, verse 9. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. John 10, 36. Say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent the world, Thou blasphemest, because I said, I am. The Son of God. How about that? Now, look at verse number 30, 32. 30. No, John 10, 30. Jesus said, I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. Because that thou being a man makest thyself God. Now look, they knew. You say, well, I don't think that's what he meant. That's exactly what he meant. And everybody that heard him say it knew that's what he meant. When he said, I am, he's telling them, God, God, that's me. You believe in God? Believe also in me. I and my father are one. Well, kill him. He can't... Why are they trying to kill him? Because when he said, I am, he is claiming to be the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who led the children of Israel out of Egypt, and and they didn't believe that. I believe it. You can believe it or not believe it. Your eternal destiny depends on what you do with that that truth. I believe it. Now, look look in John 11. Next chapter, John 11, verse 25. John eleven twenty five. Jesus saith unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? John, John chapter 13, verse 13. Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, well, for so I am. John 14, 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, now, listen. We, we go on. He's, he's, he said, I am the true vine, John 15, 1. He said, I am a king, John 18, 37. If I stood before you this morning and said, Jesus is the light of the world. There's no light without God. Reasonable. 
If I said, Jesus is the good shepherd, there's no life without God. If I said to you, Jesus is the way, there's, there's nobody can be saved without God. That's all very reasonable. But if I said, I am the light of the world, I am the resurrection and the life, I am the way. Look, either I'm crazy or I'm God. Come on, look, you, you said, well, that's not what he, he, what he meant was, you, look, you put those words in anybody else's mouth. And you have to say, that person is gone too far. No man could claim to be the resurrection unless he's God. Nobody could claim to be the only way to heaven unless he's God. Exactly. Because we know that only God can be the light of the world. Only God can be the bread of life. Only God can be the door to heaven. Only God can be the way, the truth, and the life. Only God can be the resurrection and the life. Only God can be the king of kings. Absolutely. And so every time Jesus said, I am, and then attached to that some attribute of God Almighty, he is claiming to be the very creator of the heavens and the earth. Now I ask you something. In all in all sincerity. If that's not true. Then you can't say. Well all religions lead to heaven. No. You have to say. No religions lead to heaven. Well then. Look. If that's not true. Then, then all religions are the same. But they, they can't be the resurrection and the life. They can't be the light of the world. They can't be... The, let's just pick one. I am the resurrection and the life. That's a pretty bold claim. If Islam made that claim, they would have to show where they have raised men from the dead. They have not. If Buddhism made that claim, they would have to point to empty tombs and interrupted funerals. They would have to show where Buddha, three days and three nights after he died, rose from the dead. They wouldn't even try to make that claim. 2,000 years of, of fundamental evangelical Christianity. And since the, the apostolic ministry ended, there would one Baptist church on the face of this earth that would dare say they raised people from the dead. The Roman Catholic Church would never boast of raising people from the dead. Everybody knows that only God can raise the dead. So here's this man steps out of a carpenter shop at 30 years old. He raises Jairus' daughter from the dead. He raises the widow of Nain's son from the dead. He raises Lazarus from the dead. If, the, if all the things he did in those three and a half years were written, the world couldn't contain the books. And then he, and then he walks into the doors of death enters the lower parts of the earth, and three days and three nights later, he walks out of the grave with the keys of death and hell, alive forevermore. You know who he is? I am. He's Almighty God, and he proved it. So, my question to you is this. Why would you devote your life to money or celebrities or vanity, or pleasure, 
When all of those things are temporary and pass away, and you know that. When you could devote your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You want peace? Where are you going to get it but God? You want love? Where are you going to get it but God? You want contentment and satisfaction? Where are you going to get it from God? This world has proven, with every year they turn on the calendar, they've proven there's no satisfaction outside Jesus Christ. It's New Year's Eve. What are you going to do? Get drunk. Why? Well, because... I can't look back on the year I've just ended sober. And I can't face the year that's about to begin sober. The only way I can pretend to be happy for an hour or two is to get so smashed out of my mind. I don't know who I am. I don't know who you are. I don't know what I'm doing and I won't remember what I did. That's the world. They are so discontented. They have to set aside special days in the year to try and work up some emotional happiness. And after they pumped all the lights into it and all the tinsel into it and all the ornaments into it and all the songs into it, they have to get plastered. Because it was a dud all over again. Right now they're boxing up the tokens of their happiness and putting them back in the attic. They're, they're undecorating the symbol of eternal life because it's dying and dropping needles on the floor. And they're going to drag the symbol of eternity out to the end of the driveway for the garbage man to take and put in the sand dunes. Didn't work. We thought it would make us happy. It didn't work. We thought it would hit the spot didn't do it. The family all got together. It was great for about six hours. Then we started fighting again. Like we always do. Jesus said, light right here. Uh, you're not who you say you are. Never thirst again right here. Never hunger right here. Uh, I don't believe that stuff. Well, go take out your credit card and drive the car down to the ABC. Get you some booze and try to drown out the conscience. Get you some beer and see how many cans it takes for you. Can enjoy the ball game. That's where we are. Legalized pot. Oh, we're happy now. No, you're not. Now you can't afford it. You think it was expensive when some high school kid was selling it down, down by the gymnasium? Wait till the government starts selling it and taxing it. No liberty outside Jesus Christ. No happiness outside Jesus Christ. No satisfaction outside Jesus Christ. I am that I am. Praise the Lord. Bible says... John 18, let's look at one more. John 18. John chapter 18. Verse 37. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? 
Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born. For this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. Did you hear him when he said, I am the bread of life? Did you hear him when he said, I am the light of the world? Did you hear him when I said, I am the door? I am the good shepherd? I am the son of God? Did you hear him when, I said, when he said, I am the resurrection and the life? Did you hear him when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life? Did you hear him when he said, I am a king? I've heard his voice. I've heard his voice. Delivered me from fear, sorrow, uncertainty. Delivered me from a hopeless, empty existence. Brought me into everlasting life, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance. Praise the Lord. Repeatedly, I ask the same question of those who scorn and reject the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're not saved or if you're saved and you've, you've tried to turn your back on the things of God, I'd ask you the same question this morning. On Friday afternoon, I'm probably 20, 25 Men downtown, scripture signs, some preaching, some giving out gospel tracts. There were some ladies and children there, but about 25 men there. And this big, brave, tough, bold man walked into the midst of that group, and he had his choice of men standing on four street corners, but he spotted Nicole and said, there's my target. I'll show what a big, tough man I am. She looks smaller than any of the rest of them. She looks the least intimidating of all. And so he started in trying to tell her why she should be an unbeliever like he is. I want you to give up your peace because I don't have any. I want you to give up your joy because I don't have any. I'm telling you right now, you're not happy and I know it because I'm not happy. And I said to him what I just have made a habit of saying to individuals like that. Said, Come on. Tell me what you got. Tell me what you've got that is worth giving up eternal life, love, joy, contentment, security, friendship. And, and what do you got? I don't believe in it. I didn't ask you what you thought about what I believe. I asked you, what do you have that's better than what I have? And like everyone else to whom you asked that question, he had nothing but anger and bitterness and cursing and resentment. I'm mad because I don't believe you have what you say you have. Never mind that. What do you have? You can tell me I don't have joy, but I do. What do you have? 
You can tell me that I don't have eternal life, but I do. What do you have? You're asking me to give up Jesus Christ. And you've got nothing to offer me in return but some cuss words and some insults. Sorry, I'm not convinced. I'll keep the I am. And you can keep the great big blank. The creator of the heavens and the earth came down invisibly and led the children of Israel out of Egypt. Then they came down later visibly and led all that would believe out of the bondage of sin. Jesus Christ is the I Am. Those that He spoke to when He walked this earth knew exactly who He was claiming to be. God Almighty. He's mine. He's mine. Is he yours? Many people believe in God, but they don't know who he is. He was manifest in the flesh, walked among us, laid down his life upon the cross, three days later rose from the dead, ascended to the right hand of the Father, sitting right there right now, ready, willing, and able to hear your cry, save your soul, give you everlasting life. Father, we thank you for the truth of the Bible. We pray, Lord, that those that know you as Savior be encouraged this morning by another glimpse of the greatness and the power of their Lord Jesus. And Father, if there's one here today that's never been saved, never trusted you for everlasting life, Lord, how we pray that you'd speak to that heart, draw that one to Jesus, save that soul, we ask in his precious name. Amen.